Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. We conclude tonight our study of the Psalms, uh, Open Secret of Happiness. Why an open secret if you're visiting with us? Well, everyone's looking for the secret of happiness, but the Psalms from the very first word of the first Psalm say, oh, look at me, look to me. I know, I know the answer to happiness. Happy, it says, is the man that meditates on the law of the Lord day and night. Happy, says Psalm 2, is the one who trusts in God's Son. And from there we find that the Psalms are filled with the key to happiness. Everyone is looking for happiness in all the wrong places. They're looking for happiness in ways that it's going to ultimately bring them misery. But the Psalms uh, are uh, full of instruction and edification that they might lead us in the way of happiness. Just as the Psalms begin with instruction on happiness, they conclude with instruction on happiness. This Psalm 146 that's before us tonight is uh, part of the, uh, the, the, the final five Psalms of this book make the conclusion. They all begin and end with praise the Lord. You'll notice uh, these are set uh, as a way to finish the book. And Psalm 146 has right in the middle the longest uh, instruction on happiness, the longest benediction, uh, or uh, beatitude, I should say, of uh, any of these happy psalms. And uh, the last psalm in the Psalter that has it, we'll conclude with this tonight, Psalm 146, where we read, Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord, O my soul! While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Do not put your trust in princes, nor in a son of man in whom there is no help. His spirit departs. He returns to his earth. In that very day, his plans perish. Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps truth forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord gives freedom to the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers. He relieves the fatherless and widow. But the way of the wicked he turns upside down. The Lord shall reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations praise the Lord. Amen. Let us pray together. Our Father in heaven, we desire that praise and happiness should be ours as we mix together all these remembrances of mercies past and expectations for years to come. May the one who has you as the hope and the help of his life rejoice tonight, and may he be a happier person in the days to come, knowing that such a one is with us still. We pray it for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, it is celebrated and justly famous, uh, excuse me, 1729 book called A Serious Call to a Devout and Holy Life. The author William Law writes this. If anyone would tell you the shortest, surest way to all happiness and all perfection, he must tell you to make it a rule to yourself to do this.
blank. Can you fill in the blank? Did you get all that? The language is a little old, about three centuries old. I read it again. If anyone would tell you the shortest, surest way to all happiness and all perfection, he must tell you to make it a rule to yourself to, to do what? You know? What do you think? Haha, <laughs> good guess. Law wrote, the shortest, surest way to all happiness and all perfection is to make this rule, to thank and praise God for everything that happens to you. Could you work miracles? You could not do more for yourself than by this thankful spirit, for it turns all that it touches into happiness. What do you think? Skeptical? I hope to prove that thesis to you this evening. Uh, sure enough, by the way, year after year, a flurry of studies are published from the positive psychology people uh, announcing to the world what William Law said 300 years ago, that uh, really he was right and we need to return to Puritan piety and the benefits of gratitude are practically miraculous. Uh, scientists, well, they don't actually say that William Law was right or that we need to return to Puritan piety, but they do say that uh, what, he, what he said is true. Scientists have done brain studies. This is your brain on gratitude, uh, right? They report that giving thanks, counting blessings, not only make people remarkably happy, but also help them in countless other practical ways. Uh, summarizing much recent research, one writes, gratitude treatments have been some of the most successful interventions for improving people's happiness. That from a 2016 meta-study. For example, several studies have compared the effects of just writing out things that you're thankful for at the end of the day. Just merely writing out uh, three things for which you are thankful uh, compared to, let's say, just writing out some daily events in a journal or even writing out some irritations. Those who are assigned to the first group who write out things for which they are thankful are not only far happier, but then have fewer visits to the doctor, have, uh, sorry, Steve, have better, uh, yeah, he's like, a oh, bad idea, better mental health, uh, all, all, all sorts of uh, other uh, uh, interesting blessings, exercise more. I, I don't, don't quite follow that, but uh, another study followed 180 nuns in the U.S., all of whom had a similar lifestyle, diet, and schedule. Uh, Fifty years ago, each one of them, upon entering into their religious order, wrote an essay about themselves and on their life and from childhood to the present day and their hopes and dreams for the future. And as they did so, they were unaware that their essays, 50 years later, would be analyzed for a study of both happiness and longevity. But researchers found, some 50 years later, that uh, 90% of the happiest nuns lived past the age of 85, and only 34% of those who were least happy lived to that ripe old age. Um, it turns out unhappiness is killing us. Managers might also note the power of gratitude, by the way. One study at the Wharton Business School, University of Pennsylvania, randomly divided university fundraisers into two groups. One group made phone calls just as they always had. They were told, here's the script, here's the phone, now go to it. The second group was assigned to work on a different day, 
And they met at the beginning uh, with the director of annual giving, who told them personally how grateful she was for their efforts. During the following week, it turns out that university employees who heard her message of gratitude made 50% more fundraising calls than those who did not. Well, I could go on, it's not really my point, but it is interesting about, in, at, you know, the Thanksgiving week studies, they always come out. I'm always interested to see what the new research is. It turns out in every area of life, from uh, medical visits to productivity at work, gratitude practically works miracles. Could you work miracles, Law said? You could not do more for yourself by this thankful spirit, for it all, it turns all that it touches into happiness. And, well, I think if these scientists had simply read good Christian literature, they might have saved themselves a bunch of trouble and money. Hmm. Well, you think that in all these blessings of living in the most prosperous nation in the history of the world, that Americans would be the happiest people on earth? But as we know, it doesn't work that way. It's not that we don't have much to be thankful for, but the problem is that we have no one to be thankful to. And it works in a different way than we might expect. It's common to think that, well, when you're happy, then you will be thankful. Law says, the Bible teaches, researchers are confirming that when you are thankful, you, then you become happy. The opposite of what we would expect. As Christians, the Bible reminds us that a heart of gratitude for who God is and what he's done not only glorifies God as we ought, but also makes us a truly happy people. And today we're going to consider the last open secret of happiness in the book of Psalms, the happiness of thanking God for being our help and our help at all times. The happiness of thanking God for being our help and our hope at all times. Let's look at this psalm. Uh, standard Puritan outline, by the way, today, exposition, doctrine, application, if you're taking notes nothing fancy. Exposition is where we begin. These last five psalms in the Psalter, 146 through 150, as I mentioned, they all begin and end the same way. In my translation, it says, praise the Lord. Perhaps in yours, it's even more literal, hallelujah. Hallelujah begins and ends each of these last five psalms in our conclusion. It's been said that there are three words understood in every language on earth. Hallelujah, amen, and Coca-Cola. Amen, we know. Coca-Cola, we know. But what does hallelujah mean again, you ask? Well, it means praise ye the Lord, or praise Jehovah. Uh, Yah, the, the first uh, uh, syllable of God's name, Jehovah, or Yahweh, perhaps. Uh, our culture has been trivializing that word, unfortunately, so it means very little now, but it is a very blessed word and uh, should be regarded as such. Jim Boyce, the late Philadelphia minister, was once given an ad for Nicorette gum, uh, gum that helps people stop smoking. He said, uh, the ad showed a package of the gum bursting through a majestic cloud while the sun shone through like an end-time theophany, and then the copy read, Nicorette gum is now available full strength without a prescription. Hallelujah! Well, he said, 
The defeat of an entrenched habit like smoking may be a cause for rejoicing, but it is a trivialization of hallelujah to use it to celebrate the appearance of gum. And he's right. Indeed, uh, the more it's being uh, used and abused these days, hallelujah, it's raining men and all that, right? Uh, we realize that uh, the, the word has, is losing its sacred meaning and actually borders on taking the Lord's name in vain. It means, uh, well, uh, hallelujah is uh, praise ye, Yah the Lord. Praise the Lord. It is the beginning of uh, the psalm, and it is plural in the beginning of, of verse 1, praise ye the Lord, addressed to the entire assembly. But then the psalmist immediately turns to himself and says in the singular, praise the Lord, O my soul. And then in verse 2 adds a determined resolve, while I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. And so here we find the familiar practice of preaching the truth to ourselves, the good, re good resolutions that uh, the Psalms continually lead us to, to make on our own. I will praise the Lord whilst I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Praising God every day, as long as you live, uh, needs some resolve. It's not going to happen naturally. It's, uh, it's just too easy for us narcissistic, spoiled American people to uh, ignore all of our blessings, and especially our spiritual blessings that are continually coming to us from our loving Heavenly Father's hand. It requires some resolution, and so we are led in that resolution. We are to have this determined resolve because as we read in verse 7 and following, the Lord's people often find themselves in difficult trials. Those mentioned here uh, include that we find ourselves at times oppressed, hungry, perhaps even imprisoned, blind, bowed down, strangers, fatherless, or widowed. There are wicked people in this world who are continually making our lives miserable, verse 9. You remember how Paul gives an even worse list in the 8th chapter of Romans of tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. Yet he adds, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So the point is, uh, the godly face a variety of trials, and we cannot wait for the happiest of circumstances before we will praise the Lord. Hence, we need this resolution. We definitely can't just go it without thought. Some of us assuredly cannot rely on our personalities to be upbeat and happy and thankful all the time. And so we have a resolution. However, as verse 5 points out, we can remember just how many times when we have found ourselves in need or trouble or despair that the Lord has come to help us and that this is the God who has promised to help us in the days to come. So yes, here in verse 5, we find our final secret of happiness in the book of Psalms, using the same word, ashray, that we have been studying in these 10 weeks, not the ordinary word for blessing, not the Barak uh, word, but as it is translated here in my New King James, happy, happy it is. Uh, happy is he 
who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord, his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps truth forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry, and so forth. This, the, uh, the longest of all of those beatitudes, all of that uh, happy blessedness or blessed happiness that we find, the longest of all, reminding us to be happily grateful to God for all the ways in which He ministers to us, that He's been our help, it says, in days past, and it says our hope in days to come. Did you notice that uh, hope and help, uh, our help and hope couplet in verse 5, one looking back, one looking forward? This psalm is rehearsing the Lord's tender mercies and kindnesses that He shows to a needy people, that we might not forget His benefits, as it says in the 103rd Psalm, Uh, remembering all the ways in which the Lord blesses us. One reason that we are so prone to complaining rather than giving thanks is that um, we don't recognize our true condition, like those lukewarm Laodiceans, forgetting that we are, in fact, wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked by nature, in a spiritual sense. And this psalm reminds us that in such a condition, we have every reason to thank the Lord for His countless mercies. And I think that this ought to be read in a spiritual sense, in a poetic style in which it is given. That is to say, uh, we actually don't read about anybody in the Old Testament that lost their vision and had it restored in a physical sense. But spiritually speaking, all of God's people can say, we were blind, And now we see, certainly not every prisoner was released from his captivity in the days of old, but every last one of God's people can can affirm, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So when we read about things like the restoring of sight to the blind, the releasing of uh, prisoners into freedom, we recognize that, uh, well, the, the Lord may from time to time give us such wonderful physical blessings. But surely to every last one of us, He has given us even better that spiritual blessing there indicated, the greatest of all blessings, and we've all received them. Now, we pray, many of us, every time we sit down and give thanks for our food, how often do we give thanks for things like this? Such great things. Uh, John Elliott, missionary to the Housatonic Indians, uh, was challenged. Uh, actually, uh, one of his one of his converts, I should say, was challenged. Uh, 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 someone asked uh, one of his converts, "What good is believing in Jesus? Your corn doesn't grow better. Your health is no better. You are no richer. What does your God give you?" And that was a good question. So that new believer went to Elliot and asked him what he should reply. And Elliot told him, "Well, God has given us." small things and great things in this life. He has provided us small things, food and clothing, homes and hearths, but He's also provided us great things, knowing God as our loving Heavenly Father, having eternal life, a joy that can never be taken away, purpose in life, God's life-giving spirit within us, the forgiveness of our sins, a clear conscience, a new heart, a new future, a home in heaven, being co-heirs with Christ 
do you see, when we only look at corn, well, we have a very small picture of what our great God has given to us. Many people, as I say, thank God for that corn three times a day. But how often do they say, thank God for his indescribable gift? What has God wrought for us? Our gratitude must be determined by our picture of God, not how much corn is sitting in front of us. And the very first temptation in the history of man was to make man ungrateful. That is, despite the fact that God had provided Adam and Eve far beyond what they needed, plunked them down in a paradise garden uh, through the subtle temptations of the serpent. Uh, they, they, they lost their gratitude, questioning the goodness of God to them. And likewise, if we do not understand God's loving character, we, we may begin to think of him as one who has withheld something good from us, who has perhaps done nothing good for us at all and begin to act like the other parable, the older brother in the parable of the lost son. This psalm sets before us not just what God has done, but the kind of God He is, the God who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry, who gives freedom to the prisoners. And again, supremely in the spiritual sense, every last one of us can say of these great blessings, Amen. These are the happiest blessings in the world, all mine, all yours. In the days before computers, the Reuben Donnelly Company managed magazine subscriptions for a number of publications, and they had this machine that sent out notices in the mail to people whose subscriptions had expired. One day, that machine broke, and before anybody realized it, a rancher in Powder Bluff, Colorado received 9,434 notices that his subscription to National Geographic had, had expired. Uh, overwhelmed by the great quantity of mail on his step, he drove 10 miles to the post office, sent in some money, and said, send me the magazine. I give up. <laughs> well, dear friends, God has flooded your mailbox with far more than 9,434 notices of his love and blessing. He would have you be filled with heartfelt thanksgiving every day as you count your blessings, as you think about how God has met your deepest, greatest needs. And again, notice the verbs in verse 5. He's been your help in ages past. He is your hope for years to come. Happy, happy is the one who has such a God who gratefully recognizes the source of all your blessings. That's the exposition of the psalm. I'd like to spend a few minutes considering the teaching here, especially of verse 5, the happiness of this thanksgiving, the happiness of this thanksgiving. It was uh, Joseph Stalin, that Russian dictator, who called gratitude a disease. Uh, yeah, I think this is coming back around in the neo-Marxism of today where entitlement is the uh, thought, not gratitude, right? Gratitude, he says, is a sickness suffered by dogs. So far, Joseph Stalin. By contrast, biblical gratitude is not a sickness, but a medicine, a medicine for our souls. The Bible, in fact, commands us many, many, many times to give thanks. 
Why is he constantly telling us to give thanks, you ask? If somebody I knew was constantly pestering me to thank him for things, I would rightly conclude he, he was narcissistic. <laughs> well, in our case, the opposite is the truth. We're the narcissistic ones, right? And God isn't telling us to be grateful because he has some kind of emotional need for thanks. No, we, narcissistic people that we are, self-centered people like we are, are like children who need to be taught in the most basic way to be thankful. Say thank you to your aunt. Thank you, aunt. Okay. Uh, It's just like we have to do with our children. If things worked as they ought to in our souls, we wouldn't have to be told so often. But God calls us to give thanks, not for his benefit, but for ours. Just as we rightly cringe at the tantrums of spoiled, unthankful children, God would not have his children continue to live ungrateful, unhappy lives. Gratitude is therefore frequently commanded. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. We read again and again in these Psalms, a command. In other words, you don't have to wait till you feel thankful to be thankful. Just start thanking and praising God. And suddenly, you find that your feelings begin to follow the facts. It's so much easier to act your way into a feeling than feel your way into an action in general. And so, contrary to all expectations, happiness will not make you grateful. However, gratitude will make you happy. Gratitude will make you happy. That's the point of me starting with that introduction with all those interesting studies that come out every year in Thanksgiving week, right? It turns out gratitude is the most powerful thing that the psychologists know, more than money, more than anything else that you could think, even more than having the, your team win a game on the weekend. Having a, a great win makes you happy, they reported, for four hours and some odd minutes. Uh, gratitude will make you happy for a lifetime. Happy is the man who has such a God, such a God as this for his help, who has done and who will do so many things. You say, I just wish I had something to be thankful for. (laughs) This psalm corrects such a false, ungodly, and unhappy mindset. It leads us through the things that God has done. Indeed, Psalm 68 says, blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. What we need is to open our eyes and to take up a biblical resolve. Whilst I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Now that's a recipe for happiness, verses 1 and 2. When Helen Keller was 19 months old, she caught a fever that left her both without sight and without hearing, as you know, I'm sure. And she was locked in a world of darkness and silence. Now, friends, I think that people in her situation might be tempted to become bitter or angry, having lost such sensations, but her remarkable trust in the living God gave her abundant grace to handle that situation, and she wrote, for three things, I thank God every day of my life. Thanks that he has vouchsafed to me the knowledge of his works. Deep thanks that he has set in my darkness the light of faith. Deepest thanks that I have another life to look forward to, a life 
joyous with light and flowers and heavenly song. That's somebody who understands the happiness of Psalm 146. This psalm is very realistic, as I pointed out, that there are many times of trouble and suffering that come upon the godly, which is why such a resolution is needed. Sometimes it is hard to praise the Lord. Alexander White, free church minister from 100 years ago, he was, he was known for his encouraging and uplifting prayers in the pulpit. He always found something for which he could be grateful. One Sunday morning, the weather was so gloomy that a church member thought to himself, I'm certain the preacher couldn't find anything for which to thank the Lord on such a wretched day as this. But much to his surprise, White began by praying, We thank thee, O God, that it is not always like this. Uh, so you see, there's, there is uh, something if we put our mind to it. Uh, one commentator I often quote, Matthew Henry, was once robbed. And uh, you think, oh, how could somebody possibly give thanks to God when they've been robbed? But that night, Henry wrote in his diary, let me be thankful first, because I was never robbed before. <laughs> Second, because although they took my purse, they didn't take my life. Third, because although they took my all, it was not much. Fourth, because it was I who was robbed and not I who robbed. Okay? You see what he's doing? He's, he's, he's sitting down with a pen, fulfilling this resolution to thank the Lord whilst I live, whilst I have my being and breath. Remembering the many reasons we have to thank such a God as this. You might know that the root of the English word happiness, uh, hap, goes back to things like happenstance, things that happen to occur. And herein lies our modern error. If happiness is in fact just what the result of what happens to us in life, then we will have plenty of moments when we are not happy or grateful. But if we gratefully remember all that the Lord has done and look forward to all that he will do, according to the wisdom of this psalm, we can be happy always. This is the happiness of gratitude. So let me conclude then by making some application and making it personal. Um, we, we have this resolution that's given, this uh, practice of thanksgiving, and um, some of you know this. Some of you have actually practiced this. One of the most popular and effective exercises or homework assignments of biblical counseling, one that, by the way, has considerable research behind it, is a daily gratitude journal. I mentioned earlier simply writing down typically three things every day for which you are thankful. I mean, I know it doesn't sound like much, right? Um, uh, and, and I don't know whether cognitive behavioral therapy and the other folks at positive the uh, psychology, I, I don't know if they borrowed that from Jay Adams um, or whether they came up with it independently, but uh, that, that's been biblical counseling for quite a long time. And uh, secular counselors have picked that up and they say, really, there's hardly anything that, that, that we can do besides giving people strong medication that changes their mindset as much as so simple a practice as this. Simply putting your mind every day for a few minutes to think of why you should be grateful. The results of this simple practice are profound and widespread. 
all kinds of research reminds us happiness skyrockets, materialism decreases. And it's weird how things happen just across the board. Participants donate 60% more money to charity if they have this as a regular practice. Ask me why, I don't know. They, they do random assignment and uh, they find that people exercise more. They go to the doctor less. Law is right. It's almost miraculous. Um, in uh, one, one study, I think in this one they were only doing one thankful thing a day, um, they uh, compared people who did this to a control group, and, and they found that the effect was, was cumulative. It actually was, was fairly slow to, to start. So just so you know, uh, if you do this for a week and you say, I, I don't actually know if I'm much happier. Well, they found only a 2% increase in happiness on their scale after one week and only a 5% increase after one month, which actually lagged behind other studies. But then they found a 9% increase after six months, and they found that the longer people did this, they got happier and happier and happier. It had a cumulative effect. Um, you know, Jay didn't do all this research. Jay just read the Bible and said, you need to be thankful here. Just write some thankful stuff. So uh, that's, how, that's how it started. But uh, the, the more they do research on this, people that had depressive symptoms in particular, they found even after one week, those depressive symptoms declined on self-report by 28% and continued lower as, the extra, as, it, as it continued. Um, that's almost as good as our best medicine, okay? Research done has been done on gratitude visits. That is to say, just going to tell people that you are thankful to them. Research has been done on gratitude letters, sitting down and just writing to people, telling them why they're thankful um, for the purpose of uh, just you know, count, counting your blessings to people. Uh, not, not quite as powerful, perhaps, to God, and yet it has a substantial effect on others. And so, just again, trying to make it practical, these are some of the exercises that biblical counselors do. It's also important to note that people need to learn to express gratitude to God in multiple ways. That is why, you know, this three at the end of the day is helpful if you ratchet it up a little bit. And, and this psalm teaches you to look backward as well as forward. Uh, people can be thankful for the past, considering and re retrieving positive memories of past blessings. They can be thankful for the present, to be, uh, have their eyes open to the blessings as they come. And they can learn to be thankful for the future, remembering how God has made exceedingly great and precious promises to them. We saw that in Helen Keller and thereby maintaining a hopeful and expectant attitude for the future. So can you, can you see, practically speaking, how this is done? Regardless of our natural psychology, the research is clear. Gratitude is a quality that you can not only cultivate, but remarkably benefit from. In another psalm, David writes, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Sounds like a good resolution, perhaps, for the coming year, doesn't it? Well, in conclusion, be warned that a refusal to give thanks has the opposite effect. Yes, Paul writes, at the beginning of Romans, of this poisoning of our mind that comes from ingratitude. He says, although that men knew God, they didn't glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their hot thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. 
It's the beginning of that terrible downward spiral we read in the beginning of Romans 1. In writing about the depravity of people in the last days, it's also interesting that Paul includes ungrateful in his list of otherwise serious sins. There is a poisoning of the mind that comes from ingratitude, a healing of the mind that comes from gratitude. Gratitude to God is said by Paul to be a cure for anxiety, as we are to be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, present our request to God, uh, sorry, uh, by by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, uh, make our requests known. With thanksgiving, the point that I uh, left out there, uh, a, a, a counter to anxiety. Gratitude is written as the, uh, the help to church unity that we need. How often do we discover bitterness and contention with other believers disappear as we sit down and pray and give thanks for them? As Paul writes, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. The peace of Christ here, not referring to our inner peace, but to this peace that we have with our fellow believers as we are called to be thankful. Well, in these and many other things, I, you know, I began by giving you some humorous uh, practical benefits of long-living nuns. I come back now to the Scripture and find a wide variety of spiritual blessings and benefits that flow from a thankful life. Those ten lepers dwelt apart with a terrible disease for years on end, And yet after being spontaneously healed, only one of them came back to thank Jesus. We think of these men coping with a debilitating disease that didn't have the thought to return and give thanks. So busy loving the gift of healing that they forgot about the healer. And you know, this is the American dilemma. We have so much. And those things that we have, well, the more that we look at the creature the more unhappy we get. And this is the next thing that Paul mentions in that decline, the worship of the creature rather than the creator. When we go back to the creator, we find in Jesus that we have been in fact healed of far more when we become thankful. Left unchecked, human nature will receive one blessing after another and still whine and weep for more like spoiled children. The problem is not that we haven't been blessed enough. And will another blessing from God really change an ungrateful attitude? Our major problem is not that God hasn't blessed us, but that we don't have eyes to see and that we don't have a resolution to praise Him whilst we live. What if God blessed us today in proportion to how much we thanked Him yesterday? Well, that would be a bad situation. Let us therefore finish this study of happiness from the book of Psalms with a resolution that will bring us happiness, not for hours, not for days, but for our life and for a life to come. While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being happy. Happy, happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God who made heaven and earth and all that is in them who keeps steadfast love forever. Let us pray. 
Our Father in heaven, we pray that we again would um, come back to these matters of thanksgiving with an openness of mind and heart and recognize the, the truth of these things, that we are, in fact, in too many ways an unhappy people, and we are also an unthankful people, and we have brought such unhappiness upon ourselves, I suppose. We pray that you would uh, teach us, reprove us, correct us, instruct us in righteousness, even as you have commanded us to thank the Lord. So we pray that in so doing such a duty, we would find great delight, that we would find ourselves hoping in the one who is our help with great happiness and joy. We pray it in